Hi, and welcome to Daily Confession with Carter and Carrie on Unsafe Space. Today is Wednesday, October 30th, and we are happy that you can join us. It is a rainy day here in Texas. What's it like there? Carter, you have power. If it were rainy, I think most of California would be happy right now, but it is not. No, we have power, though. That's good. So we have power, apparently. Uh, the weather wasn't as bad as they thought. But uh, I don't know. I wasted a lot of time like prepping and because you don't know. They don't really. We thought Pat, we were going to lose power last night, but we didn't. I you still said you, find ahead. it crazy that this is happening, but we don't have to dwell on it like we did. Well, yesterday. actually, so I yesterday had some ideas, but I hadn't done any research. And I started to do a little bit of research. And then one of our uh, viewers reached out to me with more information. And I'm actually going to talk to him this evening and make a little segment about what the problem in California actually is. Uh, and it's once he, once he explained it to me, it wasn't actually that surprising. It makes total sense. But I'm going to, I'll wait for the big reveal. We'll, I'll do a little segment tonight and then hopefully even put it up tonight, but maybe it'll be tomorrow morning by the time I get it up. Uh, but we'll do a little analysis of California. Cool. The electrical problems. So. Well, I look forward to understanding it better. Yes, because I know it's exactly the type of thing where your eyes don't glaze over. Are you being serious? <laughs> no. <laughs> I was going to say. You'll be like. <laughs> five minutes in. Five minutes in. We're like. <laughs> I don't know. It's not the episode for you, Carrie, but that's. <laughs> you know me very well, Carter. <laughs> yes, yes. But what I don't know is you said you wanted to talk about stuff. So this is one of the few days where I literally have no idea what Carrie's about to say. She wants to talk about some stuff, but I don't know what you want to talk about. So maybe it'll be a crappy show because I'll have absolutely nothing to say. Uh, well, I wanted to talk about Rachel McKinnon, who's this man who is the uh, women's world cycling champion or whatever. Oh, that's the one who won the women's world cycling thing. Yes, the ah. women's track cycling. And so I read this piece in the National Review this morning, which is uh, pretty – I get, one of our friends, actually Kyle, who was on our one of our episodes once, he yeah. said it's pretty brutal, but I agree with it. Well, I guess it's brutal if you are looking at it from the lens of like what, what the, where the current culture is at. Um, but – but yeah, it was by Madeline Cairns. And so I just wanted to read part of it because I agree with a lot of this. Rachel McKinnon, the so-called defending world champion of women's track cycling, is a man. I'll repeat that so that my meaning cannot be misconstrued. He is a man. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is like gold to you, Carrie. You love this stuff. I love this stuff. Maybe my kind-hearted reader is offended by this blunt phrasing. Why am I calling McKinnon a man when perhaps for complicated reasons he would rather be called a woman? Why don't I compromise and call him a trans woman as others do or be polite and address him by she, her pronouns like everyone else in the media? Well, I'll tell you why since you asked. This is precisely the well-meant, tragically naive logic that has enabled a structure of lies and tyranny to be erected around us, a structure that most cannot opt out of without incurring an enormous social cost. It is a structure in which cheating and viciousness are rewarded while civility and truth-telling are punished. 
Rachel McKinnon is the perfect example of how this structure works and operates, as well as why we should resist it. Um, and then, this is very interesting card. You'll find this part interesting. For context, McKinnon lived unambiguously as a man until the age of 29. In addition to male puberty, he has had a full experience of modern academia, where he developed a particular enthusiasm for the philosophy of lies, literally, and for, quote, gender studies, end quote. Wait, the right. philosophy of lies, is that a thing? I'm not familiar with that. Uh, I'll, I'll get to it in the next sentence. So, graduating first from the University of Victoria in British Columbia, he completed a PhD from the University of Waterloo with a thesis on assertions, quote, why you don't need to know what you're talking about, end quote. That was his literal subtitle. Later, he published a book on this subject titled The Norms of Assertion, Truth, Lies, and Warrant, in which he argues, quote, that in some special context, we can lie, end quote. Which context might those be? <laughs> um, when you're signing up for an athletic event? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that's what she means by he, he basically majored in lies. But um, uh, the other, one other just quick paragraph here that I, I really wanted to read because I agree with this too, is her personal position on pronouns is very similar to mine. Um, she says, as it happens, I do not have an ideological commitment to gender terminology or pronouns one way or the other. For struggling respectful souls, I'm happy to lend special courtesies. In fact, I frequently do. But for cheats and liars, for bullies and tyrants, for those who seek to use my words to propagate deceit and injustice, oh, just drop it, sir. I'll never call you ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I thought that was awesome. And it just, because, and I, 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 uh, I know, I know I've, uh, one friend of mine was shocked that I shared this already, but um, I think because it's become so deeply ingrained so quickly that you can't have a nuanced opinion on any of these issues that people are shocked that you're pushing back against it. But that's exactly why we should be. And that's exactly why we should be expressing our opinions because people like our friend Mike Harlow are getting banned from Twitter for speaking nuanced views on the trans issue. Yeah. Uh, people like Megan Murphy, somebody just sent me articles about what's happening to her right now in Canada. She's being protested um, and she's being sent death threats and rape threats by the to into intolerant woke SJW left. Um, and so that's why it's important for all of us to speak up and we don't all have to have the same opinion on it. My personal opinion is very similar to this writer. I don't mind using a person's preferred pronouns if, as long as they're the opposite uh, or the opposite gender preferred pronouns. I don't use any of the made up genders. I don't use any of the made up pronouns, but I'm happy to use the opposite gender pronouns depending on who's asking and why and the context and how and why they're, why they're asking me is very important. So, um, I happen to know more trans people than the average person probably just because of the circles I used to run in and the circles I run in now. And, um, it's not a problem for most people. It's just a problem with tyrants like this guy. Like, I don't, I don't like people trying to force me. I don't like narcissists and I don't like entitled cheats trying to force me. And I don't like the people who are trying to codify it into law saying that you must. And the other nuance here is like someone like Blair White, I don't mind calling she uh, because I think it would be weird to call her a, a he. <laughs> um, 
And because she's not trying to control me, but you know, it's just a simple request. She would like to be present as a female and be referred to as she and she and her, which is fine with me. Um, but I also am not going to pretend that she's not a biological male. And I'm also not going to pretend that she should be competing against biological females. She should not be. And so Blair was like, I'm going to go into the women's cycling. I would be against that as well, as much as I support Blair and exactly, exactly. They want you, they want you to deny, they want you to participate in a mass delusion and a mass lie and pretend like biological sex isn't real. And I'm not going to do that. Yeah. So I, this is the, maybe we should just back up because I think a lot of people figure like maybe people don't understand the biology here. If you've gone through, so if you've gone through puberty, there's as a male, there's literally nothing that there's no drugs. There's no amount of hormone treatment. There's nothing you can do to level the playing field from a uh, competitive sports perspective. Your body matured with testosterone you you matured as a male there is no there's no fixing it there's no hormone levels now in your blood or x y and z or this or whatever like there's no there's no way to fix it if you matured as a male you are forever advantaged over females in sports and so there is no there is no way that this can be viewed as fair at all unless you just don't care about women's sports now I would be, if someone just said, look, I don't think there should be segregated sports by gender. That's at least an argument that's consistent, right? They could say, okay, well, any gender. But if you did that and you didn't have sports segregated by gender, recognize that you would have very few biological women in any sports at all. That's what the result would be, right? Um, So, you know, if that's the world that you want, make your argument for it. But if you want a world with, uh, separate gendered sports. They need to be gendered based on biology, not fantasy. Not fantasy, exactly. They're not consistent. So I agree with you. If it's a person who says, hey, let's get rid of women's sports altogether and let's just have everyone compete, which would kill off women being able to compete in a lot of different sports because on average men are physically stronger, have a bit larger body mass, uh, they have all these things that even taking hormones is not going to impact. Um, and so, so if you wanted, but if you wanted to do that, I could respect that more than saying, no, let's keep men's and women's and let's let men compete in women's sports. I don't respect that on the basis of fantasy and what they, what they would like to be. I would like to be lots of things. Right. Just this person, this person who won, uh, they like, I mean, I don't, I didn't look at the times. I know nothing about this story, but I'll bet you my house that this person would not have won the Tour de France men's or whatever it was. Like they're not going to win <laughs> the men's cycling competition. No. That's why they're competing in the, in the women's because they can't compete against other men. What, and what kind of narcissist ent- entitled person do you have to be to be happy with this kind of a cheating who 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 wants to win based on cheating what kind of person is that it's very strange to me yeah well it's someone without so this is the thing if you have um there actually is a a relatively large percentage of the population i mean when i say large i don't mean 
you know, double digits or anything, but there's a large percent of the population who, who actually is, I believe, psychopathic. And what that means is like, they don't have, they don't have empathy for other people. They, they just kind of mimic what they're supposed to be. Like they try and manipulate and mimic uh, reactions and stuff so that they can try and fit in, but they don't actually feel that part of their brain that would feel empathy just doesn't exist. So if you're, if you're a psychopath, um, that like that, the, the moral, uh, the moral qualms about doing this are, are non-existent. And so therefore, if you're surrounded by people who say, no, no, you can't do that. Well then to fit in, you won't do it and you'll maybe condemn it even. But if you're surrounded by people who think that's wonderful and awesome, then you literally don't feel like anything's wrong. You got what you wanted. And though, you know, those other, those other beings with two eyes walking around controlling things seem to be okay with it. So like you're, you're a little bit, you're a solipsist, right? You're in your own little world. So that doesn't, it's not surprising that there are psychopaths who want to, you know, have aspirations of winning a gold medal or winning first place in some sport and they know they can't do it in the men's sport. So they just, you know, take some hormones, slap on a bra and woohoo, they've won. Yeah. You know, you know what else is uh, interesting to me about this? And I'd like to make this point. Somebody, a friend tagged me in a conversation about this today where this guy was arguing with her and he said, he said, do you, basically he was like, do you even know any trans people? And I thought that was funny because he's making the mistake of believing that if you know trans people that you must necessarily agree with him that this is all right. And, right. Or he's also making the mistake of believing that all trans people agree with him, which they don't. And so <laughs> uh, that is a very uh, bigoted belief to believe that all trans people have the same opinion. It's just as bigoted as believing there's only one black opinion and there's only one female opinion. And, um, and so I, th I thought, I thought that was kind of hilarious. You no, I mean, the answer is, do you know Blair White? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Boom. <laughs> like she's in the public eye. So if you don't actually know trans people, she is a great example. But even if you do know trans, it's like, I don't like to refer to friends of mine who are not in the public eye, but, um, right. But, uh, uh, it's just, it's just a funny, it goes back to that collectivist belief. They are collectivists at heart. they like to pretend that all these people in these so-called marginalized groups all have the same opinion and all agree with them. And they don't. And, and they hate the ones who don't. You know, since it's almost Halloween, Carrie. Yeah. Uh, I actually think, yes, they're collectivists, but I think actually a large percentage of the people that you interact with on a day-to-day, -day, I don't mean you particularly, I mean we interact with on a day-to-day -day basis on Facebook or social media or in your life, um, a very large percentage of those people are zombies. Um, and you can think about them as zombies. And I don't, I don't mean that in a way like they can't be saved and brought back to humanity, but in terms of their behavior, that person likely hasn't thought about this from the perspective of, oh, I'm a collectivist and I believe that all black people believe X and all trans people think Y. Blah, blah, blah. What they're doing is, so they're following the mob and they're not thinking, they've disengaged their brain. So zombies as creatures, right? Zombies are, they often you see them in groups 
often. They usually have kind of a group mentality in horror movies. They're obviously very dumb. They're, they're dim-witted. They're slow-moving. They follow kind of whatever the group is doing. That's what they follow. Um, they eat brains, which is a beautiful metaphor for eating reason and logic, right? They literally, they literally are hungry to destroy your logic and reason. And if they do, what happens to you? You can become a zombie theoretically, right? If they bite you trying to kill your reason, um, you could become one of them. And so the, a lot of these people, it, they actually are, are I, I really think zombies were probably an intentional metaphor for this kind of mass public uh, stupidity that you see. And it's not, it's not that these people have low IQ, it's that they're not thinking about these issues at all and they're looking around them. And that guy on Facebook is likely seeing, well, that's what everyone says. Like, this is the thing to say. The thing to do is yes. to support this. And if you don't support this, it must mean you're the enemy. That's, there's no other, like, that's what I've been told. That's what the zombie crowd says, right? Like, that's, that's what he's doing. I absolutely agree. They are unthinking. So I, I have my own personal opinions about, uh, you know, which preferred pronouns I'll use and in what context and, you know, I've expressed those and I have all manner of friends who have thought this through, who have taken the time to think it through and they have differing opinion all across the spectrum of what they will or will not say. Um, and that's fine. We can all have different opinions on it and different different opinions on our personal behavior and what we're willing to do. Right. Um, that's fine. But SJWs haven't thought it through. They don't actually, and I can say this as someone who used to be an SJW in general, in my experience and in the, and in watching other SJWs, they don't actually think through uh, issues. They don't actually come to personal positions on their own. They wait to see what the mob is doing, what the mob response is, what is the correct thing to say even if what is correct is not logically consistent like we pointed out it's it's not uh i don't i don't respect the point of view that we should have separate separate sports but then let men compete in one of those sports so they but th but that it doesn't matter that's not logically consistent they this is what the tribe is saying therefore that's what they will say it's not a personally thought out position right and and if you do try and introduce logic or thinking they need to eat your brain they need to like seek that out <laughs> and destroy it because that's the threat <laughs> Right. Yes. And the people who the people who aren't thinking, actually, they can just go bite them and get them to join them because they'll be zombies. But the people who are actually thinking are our mortal enemies here. And I, I, maybe you and I disagree about this, Carrie, but I don't I actually wouldn't use the term social justice warriors for those zombies. I don't think they think of themselves in terms of social justice and terms of social like some of them do. Absolutely. Right. Um, but I think a lot of those people are just, they're just regular people who don't think about this stuff and they're caught up in a culture of zombies. Maybe some of those people, those leaders are social justice warriors starting the, you know, starting the movement in their town or whatever it is, but they're just looking around at their neighbors and colleagues and kind of. They're followers. This what, yeah. This is what I'm doing where, where I'm just, I'm doing this thing. <laughs> but if someone came up to them and said, you know, social justice warriors believe X, Y, Z, and isn't this bad? They might say, yeah, that's bad. I'm not one of those, right? <laughs> but, I'll go, but I'll follow the mob. If we're going to go all attack someone, that's what I'll do too because I'm a zombie. Yeah. Um, well, they've certainly bought into social justice tenets. They bought into yes. some, of, yeah, some of the beliefs. But um, this goes, also goes back to the useful tools and the 
the bad faith actors, like a lot of these people are useful tools. And because your our empathy has been weaponized where they're like, oh, you must use these preferred pronouns. You must be in order not to offend. And people are like, oh, well, I'm empathetic. And therefore, you know, and if you care, then you, you will use these. They use that as a bludgeon to get you to comply with this control. And um, I personally believe, I'm going to be repeating myself. It's funny. I just did an interview for another channel and I feel bad because I'm repeating a lot of what I said. It's just on my mind. But, um, but I, I, I believe that we should start, because they engage in projection all the time, I think we should start throwing the spotlight on that projection and turning it back on them because it's like, you must use this or, in order not to offend. It's like, do you know what I find offensive? I find you trying to control me and control what other people say offensive. So you must not try to control me in order not to be offensive. <laughs> right. Well, that, I mean, that's the thing. The, the entire philosophy of, or the entire attitude of not wanting to offend people it's it's a fine way to at some level it sounds like just being polite like oh try not to offend people and in generally good people agree with this idea of if you can help it like don't go out of your way to you know tr try not to kind of offend people right but they've it's it's become this if you do offend people or if anyone chooses to take offense whether or not a reasonable person should take offense um you're wrong and and you need to be controlled and um, and managed properly because you're not using your free speech the right way. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's a difference between just being uh, being polite and like like this is why Carrie, you're this is why you're willing to use pronouns for someone who is legitimately. Um, struggling or legitimately trans and and not demanding things and just trying to live their lives and they request it and you're fine with it. It's it's the authoritarian. It's the it's the demand that makes it substantially different. The demand makes it qualitatively different. Right, and also because uh, men participating in women's sports is more than just a request for pronouns. It's also a request that we pretend that biological sex doesn't exist and that biological, biological sex differences don't exist. It's more than just saying, hey, it's not just like Rachel McKinnon, this person saying, hey, will you call me she? It's Rachel McKinnon and the entire industry that allowed this to happen saying, you must pretend, you must participate in the delusion that this person's desire to be a woman makes them a biological woman. It doesn't. Right. And, 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 the, and the entire you must call them she is designed specifically to allow Rachel to compete against women and win. That's what it's designed. It's designed to allow access um, when access shouldn't be allowed. It's designed to tear this down. So when people say you must call she, saying it will be nice for you to say she is different. Saying you must is designed to tear down actual biological gender and allow this stuff to happen. So that's why that author, I think, sees you know, is pushing back so hard on calling this person. It's not like the, the author is saying, I'll call him she, but really he shouldn't be competing in sports. She's rejecting the entire pronoun thing for good reason, because that the pronoun, the demands for the pronoun are what enables, they're the first step that enables this Right. And also because, well, in my opinion, anyway, my, my personal reason why I will not call him a she 
is because he's a tyrant and a bully. And I don't believe in, I don't believe in appeasing tyrants and bullies. I don't believe that they are deserving of respect. So that's another good point. Sometimes people are just assholes and you, you can call them whatever you want just because they're like yeah. if they're a tyrant and bully. I don't actually feel like I need to be polite to them in any way. Yeah. Uh, pronouns or, or anything else. So yeah. I don't know, Carrie, it's a depressing one, I guess, but um, I think there are more people that are waking up to this. Oh, I don't think it's depressing. I think you're right. There are more people waking up to this. Yeah. There are more people speaking out about it. I've seen more people sharing this article, um, the National Review piece. I've seen, oh gosh, I just saw this other piece we should talk about at some point. This uh, girl, I think it was Mattress Girl. Do you remember Mattress Girl? Oh yeah, I remember Mattress Girl. (laughs) I think it's Mattress Girl who uh, started conversing with, became friends with, or started dating or something, a conservative guy. And then he suggested that she read Jonathan Haidt's The Righteous Mind, which we talk about a lot. Right. And then she went to one of Jonathan Haidt's lectures. And then she went to talk to him afterwards and told him, thank you for helping me understand so much of this. And they became friends. Wait, what? Yes, I know. Mattress Girl? <laughs> Mattress Girl's being red-pilled. If no you want to way. call it that. Yes. Wow. <laughs> Hold on. Let me look it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to see this. I'm not sure I believe this. Uh, how Mattress Girl changed her mind. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, I'm, I don't, this term red pill, I, I don't necessarily really like because it means all kinds of different things. And people use it about me, meaning that I've become a right winger, which I haven't. But if you use it simply in the terms of becoming a little bit unwoke. That's what's happening to her. So uh, the New York Magazine's The Cut published an article titled, Did Emma Sulkowitz Get Red-Pilled? Yeah, I'm looking at it now. It just came out the other day. Yeah. Wow. The story chronicles the political awakening of 27-year-old Sulkowitz, who became famous in 2014 for dragging her mattress around Columbia University's campus to protest the university's handling of her alleged sexual assault. Um. Which was a lie, just to be clear. Right. She now listens to Jordan Peterson. She attended Reason writer Robbie Soev's Soev's book party for Panic Attack, Young Radicals in the Age of Trump. Uh, In the book, he writes critically of her. (laughs) (laughs) She has recently found herself engaging with many libertarians and conservatives whom she never would have spent time with before. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's great. There are people waking up. I mean, it just goes to show you, this is, I know you and I uh, have different, uh, we, have a, we have a similar mission, but we have different nuances, different uh, interpretations of that mission. And, and so I am, I am more interested in reaching woke people than you are. You're interested in inoculating those who aren't woke yet. Yes. But she's a great example of like someone like me who was super woke, who can, you can wait, you can actually help them have an awakening. If they get the right things in front of them, you know what changed your mind was meeting this guy. It started with Tinder though, it says. So maybe, uh, maybe, maybe uh, sex and love need to be involved in order to get, get you to change your mind. I don't know. <laughs> well, you, it's a personal connection. You know, she met yeah. someone who probably challenged her stereotypes about conservatives. Yeah. Yeah. That is amazing to me. I'm, I'll read this story now. Uh, obviously not on air, but that's... Listen to this. 
What's changed for her is posture. Quote, even if I disagree with this person, she says, it doesn't have to piss me off, end quote. Imagine that, SJWs. <laughs> you can disagree without that person necessarily being some evil bigot that you have to fight. Well, when will she be uh, banned by the left and totally vilified and destroyed? Because that's going to... Oh, happen. that'll happen. Well, this piece just came out, so I'm sure it's already happening. Right. So she's <laughs> death threats are being written now. Yes. Oh, absolutely. They're, they're furiously pinning op-eds right now about what a bigot she is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's, uh, that's great. That's great. That's great news. Um, so it's not... Uh, all is not lost. Even... Even Mattress Girl can be converted. Yeah, and it happened with, who was that YouTuber? I never watched her, but uh, she was pretty big, or is pretty big. Uh, Lacey something, or it's green in the title? No idea. Uh, Anyway, in her case, I'm sorry, I can't remember her name, but she, it happened with a personal connection. From what I recall, she became friends with and started dating eventually Chris Reagan, who's an anti-PC, anti-SJW YouTuber. She was a famous YouTuber who was like super woke, SJW feminist, sex positive, and he was anti-SJW. And he helped her open her mind to being friends with people who don't necessarily agree with her. I think her name was Lacey Green. Huh. Interesting. Well, that's some, that's some good news for the day, Carrie. Thank you. You made my day. I will read this article and... Uh... Yeah, Lacey Green. Yeah, um, it's good news. I guess it. I guess the. What's the moral of the story? Don't give up on the woke. Don't give up on the zombies. <laughs> yeah, or or I I. That's a good. That's a good moral that would fit with your agenda, which is which is great. <laughs> Mine would just be, don't hide your views, right? Like don't don't like a lot of people shut up around everyone else because they're afraid of being vilified. And a lot of times you're friends with like, I guarantee a lot of you woke leftists, not that any of woke leftists watch, but I, a lot of people who are those zombies are friends with people who massively disagree. Those people just keep their mouth shut because they're cowards. They're afraid. Well, they're not necessarily cowards. They may actually be worried for legitimate reason, losing their job or whatever. But a lot of people keep their mouth shut because you're afraid. Don't, don't at least voice some protest and, you know, give it a shot. Let them know that you don't agree because by the way, uh, where the zombie metaphor breaks down is that when in real life, when they start to see that actually not everyone is on the same page, they may start to question their own behavior, right? So if the person they think is next to them, they think is a zombie but kind of says, actually, I, Jordan Peterson said something interesting. <laughs> like that may, that may help them understand that actually all these people they think are zombies maybe aren't. Um, yeah. It's like, it's like coming out as gay. Okay. Back when coming out was uh, now it's not a big deal. Right. But back when it was a big deal and people were changing minds about what gay people were like, just because it's like, Hey, you may not have known this, but I am a gay person. It's like, oh, but I know and love you. Yes. <laughs> and right, so, exactly. Oh, wait now, a Yeah. Yeah. And so now it's that way about wrong thinkers, right? Like it's actually a big deal to come out as a wrong thinker now as opposed to being gay. But 
to come out as a wrong thinker, it, it's harder when they already know and love you. So you don't have to come out and tell them about the culture war and, and get like deep into it. You can just right. disagree with them on something small to start. You can push back on little things and be like, well, I'm not, that's not how I understand that issue and have, have a conversation. Um, but all right, well, thanks. That was good, Carrie. Thanks for making my day. That cool. Was a, that, was a, that was a good article. Um, all right, well, Thank you all for watching. We will see us tomorrow for Deprogrammed. And uh, I don't know what else, Carrie. Book club news? Book club again, uh, November, Sunday, November 17th. We'll be doing it at 5 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Central, 8 p.m. Eastern, I believe. And uh, some people have been asking again, how do you join? You have to send us an email at speak at unsafespace.com and let us know if you want to be in the video chat. It's a live video chat. Like, like when we do live cafe, it'll be live um, with other people who want to participate. If you don't want to be on video, you can still just be in the chat. You don't have to be on camera. Right. Right. Oh, Thank and the book all. is Condling of the American Mind. Oh, yes. Yeah. Read, read the book. Um, so thank you all for watching. And by the way, we're almost at 2000 subscribers. Please do what you can to like, share and uh, subscribe. If you haven't, share the share it around. And um, really appreciate, we've had some more support through Subscribestar recently, a few uh, anonymous one-time donations, a few more subscribers. So anything you can do to support the show, um, you know, if you consume the content on a regular basis and you like what we're doing, you know, please help us out. So thanks everyone. And uh, I hope if you're in California, you've got power like me.